Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that watched some episodes of Rico and Gisa and G and decided, movie night? My name is Jeremy. I'm the director, Scott. I'm Tyler. Wait, this is movie night? Sweet, what are we watching? My name is Hag. Rico and Gisa and G. Shit! This, this time it's a movie. <laughs> it is surprising how much this movie is literally just the first five episodes and also part of the six episodes stapled together. So I should probably start off by admitting to the horrible sin I committed, which is that I watched all of Rico and Gista in G. Oh no. Uh, I keep thinking I should do that, but then I, I'm like, you know what? I would much rather watch the magical revolution of the uh, reincarnated princess and genius young lady. <laughs> <laughs> How were the last five episodes on average? Uh, it, it's interesting because episode 19 feels completely different, and then Saying it goes right back to its bullshit right after that is not accurate. But boy, is episode 19 like, huh, it really does change. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the full moon, and it turned into a wary Kungista NG for a minute there. Um, So... I, I, to give some background, I decided to watch all of Rico and Gista in G for a couple of reasons. One of the big ones is that I have not been super creatively satisfied lately in general, and I have been really struggling to latch on to Rico and Gista in G. That's why I watched this movie after we watched the episodes in the first place and why I pitched this. And even that wasn't really causing me to latch on. In the past for Gundam Seed and Gundam Double O, I would watch the episode basically the night after we recorded, and then I would watch the dub the day before we recorded. That way I would be thinking about it during my shower thoughts in the week and thinking about what I wanted to say. So I started watching Reconquista and G twice a week. I stopped doing that for Build Fighters because it didn't have a dub, but I started it again for this and it still just wasn't doing anything because I wasn't thinking about it. <laughs> between the two watches and i think there are a lot of reasons for that one of which is that which from mercury ended and so a lot of my gundam thoughts have gone towards that and sort of the grieving process of which from mercury and <laughs> figuring out what i feel about it and i had a very similar process after watching Reconquista in g i'm not sure how much i should say about it to color your guys opinions it's one thing if I'm saying stuff before we watch it because then the show gets a chance to make a first impression on you separate from my own but you guys have a first impression already. And while before watching the first movie is the time to do it, if I'm going to, I'm not really sure how much I should say. I suppose I could start with my initial reaction was, oh man, I think Greek and Gista and G might be worse than Gundam Build Divers. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to start. And by that, I mean a terrible place to start. So. But I saying I didn't want it to be seems weird, but I was like, man, I would like to watch like Rico and Gista in G though. Why do I care if I like it or not? And I've made this comparison before, but I realized it reminded me a lot of Grant Morrison's work. And Grant Morrison is A, my favorite comic book creator, and B, a very controversial comic book creator. Specifically, it reminded me of Final Crisis, which is one of his first works I got really into. But when I first read Final Crisis, I felt like it all went over my head. And my reaction was like, oh man, I don't know enough about obscure DC Comics characters to understand this, which was the wrong reaction. I just wasn't really reading what Morrison was writing, and I had to look at some essays on it before I started to get it, and that pushed me in the right direction. So I was like, okay, there's almost nothing written on English on Reconquista in G. Let's see what we can find, though. The Morrison connection is a good start. I know I read somewhere, I think Wikipedia, God help me, I hope it's not Wikipedia, that some <laughs> Japanese guy said, oh man, it's like a critique of stories, and that's very Grant Morrison. Let's see if I can find that. Okay, it is on Wikipedia, oh no. At least the guy has a blue name, Gen Urobochi. 
Why do I recognize Genner Abochi's name? Well, it's one quick... Oh, he wrote Madoka Magica, the best written anime of all time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Genner Abochi thinks there's something to this, so there must be something, even if I can't find it. <laughs> uh, let's see if someone translated what Genner Abochi actually said. That would help me out. Oh, it looks like somebody did, and now their page redirects to a Reddit argument on the Dark Souls 3 Reddit. So this is That's useless. not helpful to me. <laughs> okay. That's a little bit out of the wheelhouse here, I feel. Let's go to the dreaded second page of Google, see if I can find what he actually wrote there. No, I can't, but I have found what may be the only essay written in English by an English audience member defending Rico and Gista in G. So let's see if this is a start. (laughs) And thank you to Jimmy Gnome 9 on Wave Motion Cannon, whose essay is incredibly pretentious. I love it. And really, really set me on the path to figuring out what there is to mine out of Rico and Gista in G. I want to read a direct quote from him, which is kind of him setting up his straw man to knock down. This is not really a defensive reconquista in G, I think, but I think it's the perfect way to describe it. Tomino refuses to sacrifice the integrity of his world to appeal to the viewer, instead choosing to present slices of the world, rich with detail and without narrative streamlining. It's as if he begins in media res, but never stops, giving the viewer the role more of an observer than an audience member providing into a portal to another world that is truly alien. Uh Ah, I don't disagree with that. My problem is that that is not necessarily a great way to tell it. We have not been trained. That's a terrible way to tell a story. I was going to be a little softer on it and say we have not been trained to consume stories that are presented that way. I am not as kind as you are. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I knew Zach would hate that. Um, No, it's it's not that it's, it's, that's a terrible way to tell a story. But depending on what you're doing with it, you can make something like that work. Granted, that's not up my alley. I just think that's really good preparation for Reconquista in G. Yes. Going in knowing that has like so changed the way I view it. And to channel my former English teacher, I really want to challenge you guys to like when you see something Reconquista doesn't, doesn't explain, don't expect details. You will get them one from every, every maybe hundred things it throws at you. You might get a detail later. I would instead challenge you to take it at face value, say, okay, this is what the story is. What does that mean? Because some of the stuff he, he so like, like that immediately, I'm like, he's right. And, but I was not as unkind as Zach, but I was closer to Zach than Tyler. But the stuff he goes on to say, one, he identifies a lot of the stuff that I did like about Rico and G and G, which I'm not going to talk about too much. But he also then says, yeah, so what are the themes of Rico and G and G? It's a Gundam series, idiot. It's about a shitty teenager. Who, <laughs> except I'm paraphrasing there. But he actually doesn't say it's about a shitty teenager. He posits it's about a shitty teenage generation realizing all the adults above them are useless and self-actualizing. It's about a whole generation of shitty characters becoming less shitty. I'm actually weirdly very into that as a premise. And he says all the characters have uh, clear arcs, and I disagree with that, but they end in very different places from where they start. And what he says is that it eschews the Gundam Seed style of like showing you what's happening in the characters' heads, and instead it just relies entirely on the expressions the characters are given, given the animation. Which I think makes this the worst series for us to watch, because we're very writing-focused, and this series, like I said, has no dub, so it's very difficult to focus on the facial explanation or expressions during the dialogue. But in doing so, I there is a lot there, and I kind of think he has a point. Or I can't imagine why this podcast might be pretty heavily writing focused in our looking at it. We've got two English majors. <laughs> I'm just a huge the, nerd. Um. <laughs> I mean, 
I was specifically a creative writing major in college, so... I was going to say it would also be easier to glean information from facial expressions if they gave characters one consistent reaction shot to things that happened around them. Well, and he also talks about the dialogue and how random and scattershot it is. And he doesn't draw this conclusion, but after reading his essay, given a lot of the themes of Reconquista NG, I kind of wonder if this is Tomino trying to... Like, imagine saying a post ADD world sounds so demeaning, and I don't think what he's going for. But, you know, there is the criticism of younger generations, ours, and even more the one below us, that they have 20 input streams at all times and can't pay attention to anything. And I wonder if, in some ways, this is Tomino trying to imagine what people will be like after many years of that and how it being just kind of normal for conversations to go in 30 different directions the way they do. Enrico Gista and G. I, I, I think mean, that I is giving him way more credit than actually went into it. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I've only ever got five screens going at a time. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, Tyler, why would you do that on accident? That that's the like I, I understand why you're saying, hey, you're giving him too much credit. His other series aren't like that though. It's not like he can't write streamlined dialogue. You could fall into that, but I'm I'm thinking back on Turn A, because that I think is the... That's his most recent work before... Well, that's not his most recent work. Well, that's his most recent the, Gundam work before that's this. That's the one I have most connection to, the, the his Gundam series that I have the most connection to. And the conversations don't feel like that. So it the, the conversations kind of bouncing all over the place, like Jeremy said, feel very... like Now that Jeremy's brought that up, feels very distinctive. Like It's specifically he's doing that intentionally. My, my counter-argument is it's like a very small minority of conversations that, that happen, usually in short scenes, that are cut away from very quick. It seems like someone dropped something on the floor to me, as opposed to it being an intentional choice. I, I will agree with you. The pacing in general is also like that, right? Not just the conversations. I'm okay with the pacing being like that, honestly. Um, I actually kind of enjoy how fast-paced the show is, so... But I can think of multiple examples. There's the scene where they're in the kitchen, right? And the scene we were talking about where, like, Bellary has 50 different peoples on monitors telling him completely different stuff yep. at all times. And as the show goes on, there are more and more of scenes like that. And I feel like, just, like, from reading a lot of other people's criticism of this, Reconquista NG is very much aimed at a young generation. Every bit of sci-fi that was coming out in the mid-2020s from Japan is like this. But it is about how, oh, hey, for the first time, we have a cabinet leader who was not alive during World War II. What does that mean? <laughs> and I think one of the reasons that they use the word taboo so much is, well, obviously, he's making a comparison to religion with all the religious iconography. I think the reason the word taboo is chosen for a reason that won't land with American audiences at all. But he's talking about the things that Japan just didn't do after World War II, like having an army. I think you're supposed to draw those parallels and you're supposed to question, why do we have those taboos? Like which ones are still relevant and which ones are not? And it's aimed at a generation that didn't grow up with those, which is why this series takes place hundreds of years after everybody died in the original Gundam timeline. <laughs> it's no longer Universal Century very much on purpose for that reason. Yeah, that makes the Capital Guard versus Capital Army thing make a lot more sense. Th this movie makes the Capital Guard versus Capital Army thing make way more sense well, than no, the show I'm, does. I meant from a storytelling perspective. I, I also mean from a storytelling <laughs> perspective. <laughs> I think both. And I also think this is in some ways using foreknowledge from later in the series. And also, this is going with the thing of j just take it all at face value. Don't go, why are they treating prisoners? Or like, do ask, why are they treating prisoners like this? But don't expect an explanation, figure one out. I think the way global politics are in this world, that like the capital territory is a different country from Ameria, 
but it's more like they're different states as far as their uh, relations go, or like the UK and the US. Of like, if the UK captured a US soldier, what would they do with him? (laughs) They would might imprison him. They would probably question them, but they wouldn't necessarily, you know, send him straight to jail and start interrogating space under space pirate law. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, which is, and Ida wants to do that because of her personal uh, grudge against, grudge against Bellary. Bellary, right? And the adult in the room is like, we're not doing that. No, that's fair. How old is Ida? Do we have, I, I have I think no she's idea. 18. There's the, the okay. Well, I, I was Bellary gonna, skipped a couple of grades. For whatever reason, I was thinking Bellary was probably 14. Yeah. So How old Ida is Lou might be Lee? 16 or 18. Yeah, we can look it up. There's a, there's a pro, I won't say a problem. Ida comes off for the most part is pretty mature in this. And I like that. But there's the thing where she calls Cahill a wonderful adult that makes her sound like she's 12 and becomes (laughs) way more problematic given some future information about Ida we will get eventually and seems super weird. And it's the one thing that's inconsistent with some stuff we get later, as far as my reckoning of it all goes. And to be fair, that's all me being very positive on Reikengista NG because I have finally figured out the way to do that. There is still plenty to criticize. As Zach said, this is not the best way to tell a story. It's an interesting way to consume a story, but you, like I said, it's interesting when you're prepared for that and ready to take it in that way, in a way that it's not when you are watching it for, say, fun. And I think that's the reason people say it's confusing. It's not confusing, as we've gone over a number of times. It's a super simple mobile suit of the week story, right? Where some plot happens and then a mobile suit shows up and they shoot it with a new backpack. It's very straightforward in that way. It just doesn't really elaborate on details, like almost ever. Which is why I say I invite you guys to come up with as much speculation as you can, because I think headcanon is what's kind of fun about this series. And I think it very much invites you to fill that in. And I think that's a lot of the reason why it is so vague to get you to think about these things. And if you're in Japan under a prime minister who was in World War II, maybe think about the taboos and uh, which ones are still relevant to your society and which ones aren't. I was actually giving it praise um, on this week's mid-spot for having immaculate vibes. I don't know. I just kind of... We, we talked about this before. I just kind of want to chill in this world because yeah. there are so many like small details that they just show you and then don't explain it all. The setting is the best thing about this show. It's weird how few details it gives on anything in the setting, but the trade-off to that is it gets to give you a lot of setting in 26 episodes. It gets almost to a Lord of the Rings point where they're going to a lot of different places later in the series, and I find that very interesting. But it's light on detail, and like Bellary and Ida and Raraya and Naredo all have arcs, but if you blink, you will miss the steps on those arcs. I think that's absolutely true. And the movies definitely fill in a few of those steps on top of that. I think that's all for my essay on how I learned to stop worrying yeah. and enjoy reading Easter <laughs> in G. There's still plenty of stuff to criticize, including, like I said, its bizarre story structure. But like I said, I think it's always in media res is the perfect way to work. look at it. And it's not that it's confusing. It's that there's no ground to stand on, which can be frustrating at times. But I think if you are equipped with that knowledge, watching it becomes a very different experience. Yeah, well, I think like you mentioned even, that like we have not found this show particularly confusing so much as like individual action sequences are a little bit confusing. Well, some sometimes the individual action sequences have been confusing, but also character motivations have been a little confusing. Characters do seem to behave however not, the scene needs them to behave. I don't even know that that's like, I feel like they're all acting in character. It's just like, I don't understand what their character is, is maybe more the problem. And another thing that he said is like, the way you should almost watch it, he argues, is that like, it's like watching the political conflict in another country. 
and realizing how much more complex it is than you realized with every little thing of like, oh, also there's this super rich company that has all this influence. And oh, also there's this other country who they've been enemies with for years. And oh, also there's this guy, you know, he's just a guy, but teenagers really like him. And that gives him an inordinate (laughs) amount of influence. And he actually has political sway in a way that he shouldn't. And it just keeps adding on and on rather than ever, like I said, going into detail about anything. And I think characters do act within their character But, like, it never explains why that's within character, right? So you have to do that on your own, which is a big ask of an audience. I kind of want to, I'm not going to, but I kind of want to go through and, like, detail every single decision that Bellary makes, not in a moment of panic, and, like, construct a psychological profile of Bellary. Yeah, and, like, that's going to be hard, too, because he's the teenage protagonist who's doing the most development throughout the series. Yep. Like, he's got the most change, but like I said, we never have those, like, Kiriyamato moments where you're like, okay, this is where Kiriyamato stopped being a shitty teenager and became Jesus. It was right <laughs> after he died and his girlfriend made him better. There aren't those hard points in the story to anchor around. Uh, so shall we watch this movie? Yeah. Let us do the thing. Uh, you can watch it if you find it. <laughs> if you know the way. <laughs> We're watching Reconquista in G, movie one, Go Core Fighter. Uh, I don't think we're going to do a blow-by-blow. Oh, we're just going to talk about the stuff that interests us, both things they changed, and I think anything we want to do a second take on that we have like new opinions on or that seeing a second time. Well, actually, I, I guess, you know, to delay the start even further, <laughs> what did you think about this on a second watch, Tyler? How much of the improvement do you think is watching it a second time versus the things they actually changed? Honestly, about a 50-50 split. There were some notable improvements that I like. Um, there's one scene in particular that I'm thinking of where we we're speculating, like, what the heck is even going on here? Where uh, Ida leans up against, I forget her name, Drive. It's not Drive. Steer. steer. It's Steer. Uh, you, I now know the names of all the bridge crew of the Megafauna. <laughs> would you like to hear the incredible roster? I would love, yes. Uh, we, of course, have Steer, the helmsman. Gisela, who is in charge of the CDC and weapons. And executive officer, the executive officer. Wait, what? <laughs> he doesn't have his name is never given, but uh, both the official, the Gundam Wiki and the official Greek Conquista and G page have his name as Executive Officer, which is all he is called the entire. That's Hawaiian shirt guy. Okay, <laughs> he's but- too casual for a name. <laughs> also, Captain Danielle, of course. No, see, he's saving his name for a moment of dire straits when he knows that if he gives his name, he can survive it. And he just never needs to. Uh, um, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, he knows he's in the Tomino series. Unfortunately for him, he's in Rekengista and G. Luckily for him, he's in Rekengista and G. <laughs> so I'm not expecting a high body count. It's uh, For a Gundam show, incredibly low. For like your average adult anime, yeah, it's, it's there. But for a gun, like it's lower than Gundam Seeds by a lot. It, it, for a Tomino show, it, like, look, uh, Iron Blooded Orphans was about to come out. They had to save their body count for the next <laughs> series. So we have the very interesting choice of opening on the opening sequence, which I say is very interesting because movies one and four do this. Only <laughs> movies one and four? Movie four has the second in op- the second opening sequence. The other thing is that they use different footage for this opening sequence than they... It is still just a bunch of shots taken from the movie, but it is different shots than they use in the show. Not entirely different ones, though, and and not the ones from the movie, because the scene of Ida leaning against the wall is the one from the series where she's in her flight suit and not the one from the movie where they put her in her prison clothes. For continuity's sake. I suppose. I wonder why they chose to start on this opening. Having an opening credits for a movie makes perfect sense. I've seen anime adaptations do this before. It's more weird that they didn't do it 
in the next two movies. But when they got the movie four, they're like, oh man, that second opening, we got to show that. Yeah, it, it just feels a little weird, mostly because uh, I think most of the anime movies that I've watched haven't actually included like the full-on opening. Most but- original ones don't, but like it's becoming more common, right? Like Rebellion has its own opening that is just an anime opening, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. And I've seen it for compilation movies before. I can't remember if the Zeta compilations did it or not, which were shot in the early 2000s. Yeah, because um, superheroes didn't do it. No. Uh, but also, that's separate from Super because... I don't think Brawley did either. Brawley, it also separate from Super because it's a movie. They want to be very clear about that. I don't know. I think it's canon. I, oh, I it's think, canon. I, I it's think just, as opposed to the other movies. It's can- Well, same with Battle of Gods and... Um, other movie that's not good resurrection f thank you i was gonna say uh you were asking uh how much or my liking this was a result of the second watch versus not i'm interested as we go through uh things that they changed that you did not like specifically because i do actually have a couple like added scenes and dialogue that i think hurt it more than help it just starting off here i kind of like this extended scene Already much better. Our grabbing of the G cell. Yeah, I love this. Like, it's such a cool action start. Um, it makes Delon seems Delonson seem way more important. I feel like it does for Cahill too, but I think that's only because we're watching it a second time and desperately Is clinging. That Cahill? For, no, no, because that guy just got toasted. Yep. And we're desperately clinging for any additional information on Cahill. Also, we know that Delonson is a cool pilot because he can break the sound barrier and take it. Um, and also he shoots down a guy immediately. Cahill captures the G-Self after avoiding its deadly backpack attack. <laughs> backpack attack. Just like everything that's happening in this opening scene, I think makes the beginning make a little bit more sense and sets up the stakes a little bit better. Yes, although again, I wonder how much of that is knowing why this is important, right? Because well, we now have context for all this. In addition to it, I will agree, being a much better scene. Well, I think one of the things that helps this one out here as well is because the in the series... We had three mobile suits chasing the G-Cell. And I assumed they they were all on the same team. Yeah, there was no indication that they were separate organizations from each other. Yeah. So I'm giving some clear action here. Yeah, showing us that there is clearly a division between these two sides. That it is a fight over this third object that's falling. Yeah, it is a fight over this object that's coming down, which also helps to explain why uh, Delinson grabs Raraya. And they don't have the mobile suit. Like, they have one but not the other, but, but if they were on the same side, why wouldn't they have both? But they also have the backpack, and now we know why they have the backpack, um, which is also nice. Speaking of Araya, did you notice the uh, remaster they did on her breathing sound effects? Or is I that did. just the person who has asthma and a fear of suffocating to death and was deeply, deeply uncom- <laughs> uncomforted by it in a way that's like, grade <laughs> A, do again? Because I thought they completely re-recorded it, but she has like similar effects in the series. Does They're she? just very, very faint. Like okay. I, I rewatched it to compare these two scenes because they're so different. So and they like, doubled down. Yeah, and oh man, it is so uncomfortable in a way that I really like. It, it sounds like she is dying yeah. because she is. Yeah, <laughs> so. uh, I mean that's very well done. It, I mean maybe that's why you should have been wearing your helmet. But, well, you know uh, that's just me. It seems like everybody in the series has something against their helmets. You know, Bellary has a love hate relationship with his. But yeah, it also kind of hate paints Delinson as a good guy because he goes to save the girl and is like, well, we can't pursue now. As um, opposed to trying to chase down the mobile suit. And you get any. So Curbs also is here and he grabs the the backpack. But yeah, he, he says, I can't just throw her away. Yeah. And we, we cut to the scene as he's like lowering the atmosphere where she's struggling for breath. And 
Oh no, it's really good. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, I mean, just looking at this makes me uncomfortable. Yep. So they move the church scene to later in a place where it makes more sense. Yep. Also, I feel like they redid a little bit of the animation. Like some of the pan shots look much better than they did. They almost certainly did. Well, they might have taken the time to to touch up some of those things. That's like again, the animation in this show is just gorgeous. Um, I I love cannot it. take that away from them. You are definitely right there, Tyler. The animation for this is absolutely beautiful. I mean, and they also managed to make the 3D effects actually kind of work. Yeah, they're very sparing, too. Yeah, there's one in particular later that I'm not a huge fan of. They added some scenes like we see the outside of the, uh, like, some of the upper nuts a little bit more. um, And they look a little bit hokey at times, but... Probably have those hangers on the bottom side closed. (laughs) You know, you don't want to accidentally drop one of those rectins at the hatch. Details. Now, I was, like, so impressed with the, how they redid the opening. I was expecting this entire, like, beginning thing with, like, them going through training and stuff to be completely revamped. It's not, really. It's basically the exact same scenes. It's just uh, kind of abridged. Yeah, they do cut out a little bit of fluff. Although, the runtime of this movie is so, like, an hour and 40 minutes, so they didn't cut a whole lot. Yeah, Clem Nick is the guy who gets the most cut from I'm him, sadly. I'm so sad about that. <laughs> I think it's the right decision, but, but like, that is the main advantage, I would say, the series has over uh, uh, this movie. I mean, movie. well, that is kind of one of those things that you run into, because, like, I think when we talked about the first Evangelion movie, it felt like Ray talks a lot more. It's kind of the reverse effect, but it's because every time she speaks in the, in the actual show, it's important, so they didn't cut out anything she says yep or is everybody else lost dialogue we do keep uh one of clem nick's most important lines which is uh everyone telling him he has beautiful eyes (laughs) (laughs) but i mean if you have to sacrifice somebody clem nick as much as we like him he kind of is a side character there is a line early on here i I think we're almost to it where they actually mention like they mentioned a distinction between like the capital army being a thing that is newly forming and they kind of like let it slip to naredo and she's like, so so you remember that dramatic zoom scene where like just zoomed in on her face for no reason? Uh-huh. Um, now it zooms in on her having the realization, Capital Army? How is that different than the Capital Guard? Who the hell is this girl on this <laughs> ship? Um, and, like it makes a lot more sense to have a dramatic zoom there. They do. I, I don't remember in the in the uh, anime if they actually named the cheerleaders as being from the that other uh, the, the Saint, Saint Flowers Academy. Academy. Saint Flowers Academy. Yeah, I don't think they named it. I think that basically was like just get the cheerleaders away. They mention it later in the first episode that they're Saint Flowers because they specifically mention it's like a tradition of theirs to go boyfriend hunting. I guess. Did he call her a Kuntala in the... He, he did. The, it's the first the time we... Yeah. Okay. I, kicking her is, like, interesting to me, having seen it all. Like, I feel like that's them telling you not everything they're gonna about Kuntala, but, like, they are trying to get away with so much of, like, this guy thinks it's acceptable to kick this woman because she is a Kuntala. And There's she, a... he did that in the anime as well. I liked the effect there where it was as she was having her realizations there. It zoomed in. She says something else, zooms in again. <laughs> yeah, zooms it, in again. it's way better than in the anime where it just feels like a random zoom is <laughs> for now. Although, again, I wonder how much of that is we have the context of the Capital Army and Capital Guard being like this new division that's forming. Yeah, I do, like I said, it is very interesting to me. I think it's difficult doing it the way we're doing it. Yeah. And I don't think there's any way around it to tell the difference between what is information cleaned on a second watch versus information added to the movie. Because like Tyler said, there's certainly some of both. It's always difficult. I mean, I always have kind of that kind of problem where it's like, I don't remember when this shows up, but I remember it shows up. So I got to be real careful about spoilers and stuff like that. Which is part of why I wanted to watch the movies, because I was hoping a second watch would clarify some things. And I'm not sure to what degree it will, but I don't think it can hurt. 
it helps with the breakneck pace a little bit, being able to anticipate some of the action beats. I also think they just flow better in a movie where it's up and down, right? I agree, yeah. And like, it's not like, oh, the episode's going to end, so we have to have a fight. They still do cut off all interesting conversation with a fight, which is unfortunate. I think the transitions are a lot smoother, though. I think I agree with that. And that's, I think, the big thing about the movie in general is like almost all the transitions just are much nicer. They got Bellary here not sounding quite as much like a know-it-all when he's asked a question. I mean, they just kind of cut that, right? Yeah. So so we get lots of people calling him a great skipper instead. I, I still wonder how much of this exposition dump is necessary, considering how little information the show gives us about anything else. And I feel like it's kind of what that guy was talking about, because like this is a... This is a chunk of these characters' lives. So looking in at it, and this is something that would be going on and they would be talking about as they're going over for a review for what they're doing. Yeah, I think the only important information in that is radar is useless when Minovsky particles are spread. Yep. But like they specifically didn't pick useful stuff to tell us, which you know <laughs> I think is on purpose, but that doesn't make it the right choice. I'm not saying it's the right choice. Yeah. I'm just saying that the way the formatting is, it is a thing that they would discuss at this point in their lives. Yeah. So us in media's res coming in and going, the hell are you talking about? That makes is, sense. That is why I read that quote. Because like that is like once I turned on that axis, I understood Reconquista in a way I don't think I could have without that. I, I know you said just take it at face value, but my brain immediately went, why are their cheerleader uniforms go? Did they bring spare clothes? Well, this is like a vacation field trip for them, right? So I assume they did. They are now in their schoolgirl uniforms, so Naredo's still wearing her cheer boots, though. Well, she's a Kuntala. actually can't afford multiple boots. <laughs> so she's stuck with the brown bags? Yeah. I wonder how many people, like, how much tickets for these things would cost. Do you think there's first, second, and business class stuff like that for these trams? I know a lot more about these trams, so probably not. Although I am- there was, like, the fancy gala section, right? Well, there was, like, the section they were having their their lessons in well there was also like a bunch of like people in tuxedos drinking wine at one point so that's true i remember that now i imagine it's not expensive but it is expensive for a high school girl like like probably like a hundred bucks like i assume it's similar to airfare in the real world but yeah and it's probably a matter of paying for everybody to go is where it gets expensive really yeah you may know the answer to this because you've watched ahead do people live on the nuts we do not learn a lot about there are a couple of nuts we focus on. Okay, that's fair. I mean, this is me, obviously. I would believe that it's kind of like an oil rig situation where people go out and live on the nuts and to do maintenance and stuff like that on them for like six months. I, ju- I just imagine like a truck commercial, life on the nut is hard. I think it's <laughs> a better analogy, again, I know, is it's more like a gold town, right? Where like there is that, but then a town springs up around it to cater to those people i mean obviously us being uh coloradans we know all about the the gold <laughs> boom towns um i was researching a bunch of stuff about the town i live in and found out why all the streets around me are named what they are and it turns out it's a bunch of people who wandered through in the 1860s <laughs> yeah that tracks it's one of the reasons why denver is so horribly laid out i don't remember exactly what lewin like the reason why they told bellary to go first in the anime but because I don't it's think... hazing yeah it's the same I didn't but, think they said it was because of age. But. Yeah, they, they said it, it's an order of age. I mean, um, realistically, it doesn't matter why exactly they're making Bellary go first. He just needs to be in the mobile suit. It yep. makes some sense. I also, I do kind of like that it's like a fraternity hazing thing. Lewin, I would not keep your hand so close <laughs> to the button that causes your visor to go up while you're in space. But He wants to practice. He may need it. <laughs> 
He knows he's a main character. And he needs to make sure he remembers where it is so he can take the visor off when he gets into the mobile suit. Not that it matters because he just has a mask. I do like that the Recton has, like, camera footage of the entire, like, command center for some reason. I mean, narratively, that's so it can go out when Ida shows up, right? But it is kind of nice. One thing that I kind of like, and this is something that was brought up a long time ago with, with regards to Battletech, is the cockpits are described as basically being in, like, wedges. So, like, your your vision is actually in in slices. So, like, you can okay, actually see. You've got cameras to let you see behind you. Yep. So, getting used to how they're oriented. That kind of idea with something like this makes a lot of sense to me because it's like, you know, especially because most Gundam things are in the cockpit or they're in the head or the, the, the pilots are in the chest, not in the head. So, they don't actually have a, a clear cockpit glass or anything like that. So, having cameras to show you... Here's literally what your surroundings look like. And I know I've talked about this before, but I love the artifact in Reconquista G of when we see into a cockpit, it looks like it's see-through because we just see, like, it's that theory of invisibility if you just put a camera of what's behind you in front of you. I really like that effect that we see constantly in Reconquista G because people are always driving with their helmet up and their cockpit open for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> Anyway, the pirates show up. I actually really like how quick this is in the movie. I'm sure it's just because they're cutting scenes for time, but it really makes it feel like a sudden emergency uh, without feeling the whiplash you do in the series. Yeah, because in the in the series, if I remember right, it kind of, like, there, there's a couple minutes of setup. There's also here, we went literally from Bell Regatta in the mobile suit and started to move, and then, oh my god, pirates. One of the things that I actually really like about the movie version is Bellry is smiling a lot less. It makes him seem a little bit less happy-go-lucky and, like, a little bit more like the serious student who could have skipped a couple grades. His default face is kind of happy-go-lucky, but when he has a serious mode... Yeah, there's one um, that I think they redrew entirely is uh, while Ida is flying at him in the G-Self, he is, like, scrutinizing it, and he says, that's not a rectum silhouette, and, like, he looks like he's concentrating really hard on it in a way that we don't really see him do ever. Yeah, and, like, throughout all of this right now, he's not smiling, whereas in the anime, he was. Exactly, yeah. Like I said, it makes him seem like a little bit more, less of an airhead and more like a capable person who could actually get something done. It's amazing how much you can make a difference. and It kind of goes in what they were saying is that, uh, you know, got to pay attention to the people's uh, uh, expressions. Yeah, and that essay was written before the movies came out, just to be clear. Yeah. We also get one line while Bellry's watching or uh, sending out his like probe that he's where he says, that mobile suit should be Tarides, and that helps so much with understanding what is happening here. Honestly, Tarides, you're a badass. You went hand-to-hand with Ida. And got taken out. But apparently that's not Tarides. It is Tarides. I mean, it's a that, that false news, Manny. I mean, at the same time, it, it is possible that as they're, you know, as he's falling away because, you know, he's now off of the thing, it could be a little bit of a, no, that can't be him. Yeah, I assume that's what it's supposed to be. It just comes off as weird. Uh, it's much clearer in the movie, though, because it's also it's much faster in the movie. So we're already odd to Bellry taking his shot. What one other thing is, uh, the, they give him a line while he grabs the cabling, where he states like his intended use for it. There's also none of those shots where the background disappears, and so it's way more clear what is going on in his fight with Ida. And I actually really, really like it. I didn't notice in the anime him like weld not welding, but grabbing her beam rifle and bending it so it can't shoot. Yep. I actually really liked the scene, the, the shot there of uh, Ida just kicking him in the stomach. Yeah, that's also good. And there's nice grappling between the two of them. 
and I mean, it really does kind of reinforce what you were talking about when we were talking about the animes, uh, about how Ida didn't want to actually kill anybody because Bellary is point blank with the beam Vulcans on the uh, on the G self, and she's not roasting him with them. Yeah, well, or she could have just drawn a beam saber. She had a lot of options at her disposal right there. Well, I mean, now the the uh, Vulcans would have been the easiest at point blank range like that. Also, Lewin League is, I think, the only traditional character taking off in the entire <laughs> series. I might be wrong about that, but it's the only one I remember. And Delinson's note here that this is the same mobile suit he fought earlier, just like for some reason lands way better in the movie. I couldn't tell you why. I think it's because they're cutting a lot of the other dialogue around it, so it's more clear. It's also been like, how, how many minutes are we are or are we into the movie? 15. 15. Yeah, so it also happened over twice as fast as it did. I didn't notice earlier Belry yelling SU cord because he also does that when he so activates yeah, the force field. That's kind of just like his generic like oh, call uh, out when th- he's there, in I, trouble. I, I will tell you that's basically like yelling Jesus Christ. Yeah, but but it could be like I think here it's more like Thou Father who art in heaven. And later characters will say it in a way that's very clearly like oh. So I think Steer at one right point goes Oh my SU cord. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the SU cordas are like a quasi religion. I, I accidentally stumbled across this information. Okay. We've actually seen where Clem Nick says that, but okay, it, I, I think it's not very clear. But yeah, that's basically just like, like I said, I think of it as, oh my God. But like, again, like here, Bellary's saying it reverently of like, uh, he's like, Jesus take the wheel sincerely, but definitely there are characters he will be, um, Jesus take the wheeling later. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, every time I think about that, I remember some, I think it was you at one point, Jeremy, said, man, your God gets a yep. lot of complaints. I think about that joke I made more than I should. I am more <laughs> proud of that joke than I should be for a joke I made 20 years ago, my bones. <laughs> it makes me, dude, it still makes me laugh. So, um, Yeah, I remember the SU cord line because I assumed that's what the weapon he was throwing was called. And me he too, was yelling yeah. his attack at the time. And, and on a rewatch, uh, which is the only time I would have considered it, I know that he also yells it in other situations. Um, while we were talking about that, we missed the the world isn't square line, which I looked up what that means. Yeah, I I did see that they kept that in there. Um, can you explain that? It's They've literally uh, translated an expression. The world is not square. It's a Japanese expression that basically uh, equates the world isn't so black and white. Okay. I, I kind of figured, I assumed that's what it meant from context, but... I thought, like, I had no idea from context what she was That's fair. I mean, about. in this show, anything is, is a possibility. I, I had no idea what she was talking about either. Okay, so that makes that make a little bit more sense. That's a localization problem. For the yeah. preservation of her pure and blue world. Although it's funny, I've seen three different fan subs and the official version just translate it literally, so I don't think any of them knew what was going on either. So yeah, that fight is way better in the movie. Yep. The action just reads a lot better. It's, oh no, it's just a lot more fun to watch. Yeah. It's kind of true for almost all the fights, but that one especially, I find. And uh, Delinson threatens Ida, which I don't think he did in the- uh... No, he does. He has the, we have gunpowder. We'll just blow you up if we have to. That's how they, they bring her in. I am sad also that we get a lot less Manny in the movie. I don't feel like we get that much less Manny, honestly. Oh no. Uh, we I do th- get, a, there's one scene cut from her, but- we we keep we keep girl power, which is the important part as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But. Oh, we also keep Ida crying, which is one of the few scenes that doesn't really jive with my uh, read on her. But I guess it's important for her explaining why they're attacking. So when I first watched this, and honestly on the uh, watch through of the movie, I assumed there was like a side effect from piloting the G self. Yeah, but... that w- that would make sense. But Bellary never experiences this side effect. So yeah. No, they- I- they do both have, like, that sympathetic chest pain later, though. That's true. 
Yeah, although the way she says I just get like this sometimes makes it seem kind of like it's just a general thing for a character trait they gave her. Because we do see her crying, you know, later in different moments, after different moments. I feel like that's a very different motivation, though. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's just a stress response thing. I mean, I would believe that. So they talk to her, pull her out, but it's more like they're pulling her over like cops, I noticed this run, than like they've captured a military prisoner, right? And I think that actually jives really well with like sort of the way these nations treat each other. Along with the unnecessary use of force. (laughs) Well, she does claim she's not a member of the military and she's a pirate. That is fair. I still don't really get Bellry's initial motivation. Uh, he, he, He comments that it's because of feelings like... Ida's that people kill each other. I assume he's commenting about Ida. Yeah, I, my read on that is like it's very immature of him. He's in, like he's grown up in a bubble, and he's like, "Hey, if you just weren't so mad, no one would have to die." That's that makes more fair. sense. I'm just sorry. I, I I got a laugh at it in the anime too, but here where Ida's hair is like floating in you know in the zero G, so it makes it look like she's got like an octopus on her head. Oh uh, yeah, so she can dream Weaver Bellary here and enchant him, and he can be charmed for the next twenty six episodes. <laughs> That's a duration of charm, right? Yeah, twenty six episodes. I do like how Bellary does open it, and it makes it a little bit more clear as he's like, "Hey, look, I got it open," because both uh, Lewin and Ida are like, "Wait, what the fuck did you do?" I wonder how many of these random tokens the G self has to spit out at people. I think I know the answer to that. Yeah, I assume you know the answer to that, Zach, and I know the answer because I watched it. Uh, you know the answer to that because of uh, Robot Wars? Yes. Comma Super? I, I have not played that uh, Super Robot Wars uh, game in a while, Zach. I wonder if it gave more context than the anime. Of those <laughs> things? Uh, yeah, of, of that scene when they find it out. I don't remember. Okay. But also because I haven't seen the scene yeah, you're yeah. talking about in the actual anime, I don't know. Did the second nut always have a name? Do all the nuts have names? We get names for the first and second nuts later in the anime. I don't remember if it did here. Because this is an added scene to help with the transition. Also say we uh, missed over, Naredo's like, dislike of Ida scene comes off a lot more clear to me in the movie. She comes off a lot more petty. Because she specifically says, oh, her way of speaking isn't cute. Which makes it comes off a lot more like generic judgment than, ah, oh, you're after my man. Yeah. Although it's not necessarily... That, not to say it wasn't, isn't motivated by that, but it's a lot more clear. I'm also not, especially on this rewatch, I'm not sure how much Naredo is actually into Bellry so much as, like, she likes following him around because it's interesting. How much are they, she is romantically interested versus friendship interested? Yeah. Well, at the beginning here, this the, the, the very first part of it makes it made it seem kind of like it was a romantically interested thing weirdly this is kind of the scene the the main scene that i'm like i need this for context in the uh in the anime as they come back down from space yeah and then we transition from that into the church scene which makes a lot more sense here because they're coming to the holy land where the church is and like it feels way more established because the church is about to be vaguely important well, and we're getting a little bit more, because we're getting in the middle of a sermon here. We're actually getting the verbiage for the sermon. I mean, that was true in the first time, too. Uh, it we just... get more of it. We, that opening sentence about because the the cable exists um, was not part of the original one. Uh, which is important context. Uh, we then cut to, like, maybe the scene that feels most awkwardly put in the movie. Because in the start of the second episode, it's a recap of the first episode with Colonel Rosita going through all the uh, proper nouns. But I feel like they felt they needed to keep it one to introduce him here. And also so that we make sure we got everybody's name down. 
Because I'm not sure Naredo's name has been said yet before he's like, so Naredo Nug was there and Belry and all of them. <laughs> you know, Naredo Nug. I don't, I think you're right. I don't think he's actually said Naredo's name yet. I don't uh, think it's been. The colonel just said it, but nobody said it in episode one. And I don't think anybody, a- they added any of it to the redo of this. Because remember, we were sure she was Manny at the end of that until I looked it up. Yep. Uh, sadly, we cut the scene with the Pope creeping on Mariah. I feel like the cheerleader scene plays out a little. I feel like there's a little bit more dialogue explaining it, but none of it's like super important. But yeah, they do cut out the Pope walking by on a shanks. I think they do make it clear that Mariah is in class with them and they're like going full exposure therapy with her. of just like, you know, treat her like a normal girl and hopefully she'll start acting like a normal girl. There's oxygen down here for her. That seems to be the main problem. I do love how confused Mariah looks at the pom-poms. She's like, like this? <laughs> but yeah, it does make it a little bit clearer here that she has uh, been adopted into the class. Like, she's actually going to be a part of the class. I'm kind of glad they kept the scene of her playing with the pom-poms. Yeah, it's very cute. I also, did they add the scene where Belry notices the guys assigned to watch Raya from a distance? I think so. It's not terribly important, but... Yeah, because I don't think that was in the anime. Yeah, like, to the extent that I'm almost confused why they added it at all. We still get kind of a harsh transition to, like, the gala thing that happens on the night of the pirate attack. Although, weirdly, it feels less of an issue because we show Bellry coming to the party. There's just one line of, hey, go hang out with Lewin. That weirdly adds a lot to it. I agree. But the entire scene with his mom and, uh, I meant, Rumpista. I was going to call him Rumpista. Koompa Koompa Rusita is... It's still the same. Yes, except for judging Bellary's reaction, I get a much better read on what his relationship is with his mom here, because he just gives her a side eye when she takes the credit from him that, like, adds so much to me, because I remember talking about this scene and not knowing how to read it yep. in a way that now I'm like, oh, no, he's annoyed with her. She, and the she, colonel even kind of says, like, ah, oh, you're kind of rubbing in the wrong way. She also says, stop joking, and I'm not sure she said that in the show, um, which also gives a little bit more flavor to that. I mean, we're reading a ton into, like, minor details. It's just really interesting what they chose to change and did not choose to change. And with a compilation movie like this, right, you kind of get to see the story they thought they were telling, right? Because you get to see what they thought was important enough to keep and what they're like, oh, this can go on the cutting room floor. To the point where I almost wonder if the Clem Nick stuff got cut in part because he was too likable. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to say that for sure, but part of me wonders if that was some of the motivation. I think it is probably just a time thing, and it was the easiest thing to remove. And I mean, it's possible that, yes, we really like Clem Nick, but he might not have been particularly well-received elsewhere. That's I suppose that's possible. I don't know. Because he is kind of the polar opposite from a, uh, I mean, this is it obviously, you know, in a whole American side of thing, but he is kind of the opposite of a, like a Japanese guy. The humble Japanese hero? Yes. I mean, Clem Nick is a psychopath and I love him. <laughs> His secret is he put all his points in confidence and just took a bunch of feats that let him use confidence for all his roles. <laughs> it's like weapon finesse, but for confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he took the feat arrogant, which lets him use confidence for everything. <laughs> Poor Rectons getting wrecked. This action sequence is genuinely one of my favorite in the series. Yeah, like, it looks pretty good. Like, just the amount of chaos that's going on as the characters are trying to navigate it. And having uh, the Catholic Disneyland background, like, and the fact that they're on the ground for so much of it adds a lot of tension. I that, really like this whole episode. Yeah, that, that combination of infantry around these huge Titanic walkers is really cool. Yeah, it makes the battle a set piece in a way it almost never is in Gundam, rather than the action. But we still cut to some very good action shots. And it, it still does feel a bit like 
the characters are in danger of being accidentally wiped as they're moving through here, even though none of these characters are going to get aced in episode two. Oh, uh, but like or, Manny you know, could, right? Three minutes or five minutes into this episode. Manny could, right? Motivating her boyfriend, Lou and Lee, to wear a very dumb mask for the rest of the series and be an angry boy. I mean, Wait, spoilers, what? Jeremy. Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that could happen. It doesn't. Manny's fine. Why would Lewin wear a mask? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really confused why there's a grimoire at the prisoner tower, but not actively trying I to just, do anything. I think the reason why it's there is quite simply it's cover. Yeah, I don't think it knows that I, Ida is there. They, they're not treating it as like a place where they have to worry about accidentally killing the person they're there to save. It looks like it's a matter of... This is a big, heavy, sturdy stone thing that I can use to hide behind from incoming fire. Because when it starts taking fire, it literally sinks backwards towards the building. One of my favorite changes to the scene is when, uh, geez, uh, Belry gets surprised by the girls catching up to him. Like, we see them arrive, and it cuts over to Belry being, like, confused and a little bit sad that he can't find her. And then, the, and then it cuts to them and then be yelling at him for, uh, being girl crazy. Of all the scenes they chose to keep, bafflingly to me, is the one where Belry runs into a wall. Yep. Well, look, <laughs> we needed one comedic beat, and it needed to go right here, and we spent all that time on that Looney Tunes stretchy animation of him bouncing into it, <laughs> and, and we got to establish Naredo's core strength catching him so that it makes sense when she's carting Mariah around later. Yeah, I I don't know why you, why, why you include this scene, <laughs> that scene specifically. I was saying nothing really about the prison escape scene changed other than... It's more... Cl I think it's more clear that Ida is interested in Bellary. Interested, Ida I is or Naredo? Ida. Oh, like, not interested romantically, but interested in, like, he can move the G-self and they talked about him to her in prison. Like, she, he, she knows who he is and is aware. I think that's more clear. But that's about it. They also change her facial expressions a little bit. She looks a lot more... Like, intentionally nonchalant while she's talking to him. Yeah, like, ugh, I don't care about you. <laughs> she looks just kind of tired through this whole thing. Which, fair, they probably spent all night interrogating her. We still don't get any of their conversation to be that ends up with Bellary getting slapped. Yeah, because I- Because Earth slapped. I still don't have a real read on it. I think the intention there, and this is only reading into it with the entire series in view- is that they're both saying stupid shit that only kids would think of that yep. doesn't consider any practicalities, but they couldn't think of a stupid thing for Belle to say that seemed as, like, that didn't make Ida seem super in the right, so they just cut away from him. <laughs> That's the only read I can make on that scene. I mean, it makes a little bit of sense. I think the problem is the more I learn about the, the motivation of, of the space pirate faction, the more I just agree with them. So. Yeah, I think that's intentional on the series part. Yeah. But I think here... Ida's point is like, yeah, yeah, not in my country, though. Like, we should cover your country in solar panels <laughs> so we can all have energy. But that, that, again, is reading into it with some future information. So We do keep gravity being a mild menace. Yeah. The, the best scene of gravity being a mild menace, I think. I'm more into some of the ones later, but you, you like the hand? You I, like, I like the hand, you yeah. You like Lou and Lee supporting his friends? <laughs> Physically. I, I do also like the idea of... Uh... Gravity being a mild menace. And we, we do keep the uh, world's strongest voice. <laughs> you know, look, Curbs has been teaching teenagers in the future for how who knows how many years. <laughs> this is one of my favorite changes. Curbs tells Bellary to get in the mobile suit, and we only get one reaction shot from him. <laughs> yeah, he's not confused. He's like, hell yeah, I'm a Gundam pro tag. I hope my cockpit closes. It would be inconvenient <laughs> if it did not. I, I mean, 
if he was just if he was a Gundam protagonist, he wouldn't want to get in the into the mobile <laughs> suit. Oh, it's like fifty fifty. Shin and Camille and Bellary went in there real bad. Kira and Amaro just want to be anywhere else. Not Saleta loves being in there. I think I think uh, I think Lauren is kind of hit or miss. Yeah, some of them are a bit in the mid. I do find it interesting that the space pirates have literally no idea how this thing functions. Well, I mean, they've had it for like a day and a half, right? Yeah. No, I'm... I feel like it's longer. It's it's a bit longer than that. Okay, but I don't think it's been a week. I'm interested because we also get uh, Toa Songa's like this fourth faction, I think. We are going to have so many factions, you guys. I'm so oh, no. here for it. Tommy knows like Zeta Gundam was great when I had three factions constantly going up to it. What if we turned that past 11? <laughs> what if we had sub-factions out the wazoo? Well, because there's the the capital. The capital uh, army, the capital guard. Ameria. Ameria. There, oh, don't worry. There are plenty of sub-factions in Ameria, as we learned, including the pirates, for example. And, and we haven't even got to Tewasanga, who has a double backup secret Tewasanga behind it. <laughs> I think that one I have a vague knowledge of. Yeah, I think that's the one that uh, Super Robot Wars X, that's the part of Rico at Gisa and G that for whatever reason they decided they were interested in. Oh, that also explains why Ida's confused about the backpack, because she had no idea it had a backpack because it jettisoned. Yeah, cause she thinks that they built it here when in reality they didn't build it here, they retrieved it. Yeah. Ida doesn't move it move it like that with a backpack. It must be some boy. Bellary straight up executes Cahill as as before. Look, he was gonna beat a cute girl to death. That was his friend. Unforgivable. Sailor Bellary won't let him get away with it. <laughs> well Bellary's just ice cold. <laughs> Bellary's going for the cockpit every time. In the name of the nuts, I'll punish you. So I really, really like the change here where instead of just yeah. slam cutting to Ida, we cut to Naredo and Manny chasing Raraya who runs off and they then overhear and we get from their perspective the scene between Ida and Bellary. It's so nice. It, it's, it's a much it's better a nice, effect. Yeah, because like instead of seeing them full on, you see them over like the damaged arm. And Naredo being very... um. Upset that Bellary wouldn't kill anybody. And Manny as, being like, and if he did, it would definitely be someone trying to murder us. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. I do also feel like Bellary's facial animations got a little bit of an overhaul for this, too. I don't think it's too much, but I think it's just enough to make it. Like, I think the scene, I think, was good to start with, but like yeah. they fixed every little problem with it, and it makes it like really strong. Just like the way he's grimacing a little bit, and he, like it's so clear that he's uncomfortable and has no idea what to do. We also get a nice line from uh, Delinson being like, and these other guys are coming from a boat, which makes this scene make any sense. Oh, that's in the original. It's Is just it? like, <laughs> that's at the end of the episode. And then we okay. like start to, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a weird cut place. I remember, I, I thought he said something different the first time or in the original, but. Yeah. And then we kind of get the Capitol Guard and the Capitol Army fighting in the background here. Not like physically fighting, but arguing over who gets to do this. But Reseda pulls rank. I do find it funny that he's like, well, the army couldn't do it, so the research division will do it. And the guy comments, but, like, you are the <laughs> army. <laughs> I mean, that was in the original one there, too. Yeah. I think it's an important line, though, because it implies what Rusita's doing is under the table, right? I don't think Rusita's plan was, oh, the four of them will run off and join the Amerian army. But I think he was like, that's a possibility, and it, it's fine because it lets me do this, this, and this. I don't think that was, like, his plan, but he it was, like on the, like, flow chart, and he's like, eh. 
<laughs> the, this the, helps me with other goals. The evil villain contingency flowchart. I don't even think it's a contingency so much as he's like, uh, these are both good options and I can just let them decide for me. Like if Bellary gets control of it, he'll come back and then I have the G-Self. If Ida gets control of it, I have an excuse to go attack the Amerian army. Either way, they're all coming up, Colonel Rosita. Yeah. Everything's coming up, Koompa. See, here we still have the, the mangled shield. They kept the scene still where the Pope recognizes Naredo, and I want, like, is that important? I, this is the only thing of the Pope, right? I think that's why they kept it. Okay. Is because, uh, to reinforce the idea that they know each other? Yeah, and I think it's also important that he was talking to Bellary's mother, which yeah. helps establish that she's important and high-ranking. I think that's the main reason they kept it, is just to, like, it's the Pope's position to every character, including Naredo, but... I don't think it was the Naredo thing specifically. I think they also added a line to Naredo here when she comments on uh, the research revision spying on taboo breakers. Uh, that, she, because she also asks, why then would they take the pirate? That's in the original. Is it's it? just okay. like like everything in the original, it's so fast. And there's not it's not really dwelled on. I also read Bellry's mom as being more duplicitous in this scene. Oh, like, really? I read her more as just being a helicopter parent. Well, that's also fair. Bell looks like excited that she bothered to care though so well yeah given their uh relationship that kind of tracks to me i think she really cares about him physically but like she's not around much yeah she's doing what she can to support him but she's not here yeah she's all she's a single mother who is very career driven but she does care about her son a lot it's just like he's she doesn't see him much though is my read on their relationship anyway i really like the naredo teasing belry scene it's not any different but I, I really like their. I like that they kept it. It's. I, I feel like this is a lot of their relationship. I love that uh, Nobel backs her up pretty much all the time. It's really funny to me. Well, I mean, she built it. Well, that's fair. Well, did she? I think she bought it. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but Nobel is the comedy relief character, right? But no, I agree with you, Jeremy. I think keeping that scene as kind of silly as it is is important to really help re- establish their relationship. And I don't know. It makes Bellary's crush on Ida work better, in my opinion, because like. We don't really get a good reason for it, but like we get m- way more reason for it than almost anything else in this series. So I think it helps the reinforcement of it. and Because I think a lot of Bellary's motivation, for good or ill, is that girl's hot. <laughs> so we do get a change of uh, the colonel looking at Ida's pendant. And she lies about where she got it, because we see in a flashback well, it popped out of the G-self. She says she had it for a long time. And well, presumably... She said she had it since she was born. Oh, gotcha. I thought she just said a long time. But yeah, she definitely lies. Ida takes a sip of tea before going out to call Belry a murderer. Well, you got to make sure you've uh, wet your throat for that. Uh, Clemens Nick's here. He's already gone to the bathroom. He didn't bother launching. He's just here. <laughs> we do still get the great scene of him uh... <laughs> taking a drink and running into the top. Yep. Tree top. <laughs> yeah, but this is our introduction to him, right? We're not even like, oh, he's a genius. Our, our first thing is total goofball. <laughs> I do I... love also that Rumpa's like, was it love at Koompa? I'm sorry. Was like love at first sight? <laughs> well, it's kind of the same thing as uh, Nareda said that every time. We do get a freeze frame on Bellary and Ida to get some of their inner thoughts as they are confronting each other before Raya breaks it up. Yeah, because... Oh, and uh, this time, I, Ida doesn't, like, dance into frame. She pops around the corner and immediately calls Bellary a murderer. Yeah. Well, she's not in her dancing outfit, so... <laughs> okay, to be fair, Clem Nick Montero separating is yep. almost a good launch thing. Yeah, no, I was just having that thought. Naredo admits to drugging Raya. <laughs> 
we cut to I, I actually still really like this discussion between Ida and Belri. Yeah, it's still a continuation of what they were having before now that they've calmed down but haven't changed their opinions. Kind of interesting that we actually started on this one from Naredo's point of view. Yeah, they do that a lot. And I, I really like it as a it's a super easy framing device, right? That makes the cuts feel way less sharp and awkward and makes Naredo feel more involved. Reseda still has negative one chill though. Yeah. <laughs> Just some of the angles we get on his face, he looks like the most Gendo-ass guy well, in this show. He, he literally watched Evangelion and built the room where they put the <laughs> G-Self to be the Gendo-Ikari room. Get in the mobile suit, <laughs> Belry, or I'll have to do it again. We're already here, all four of us. <laughs> I was going to say, is, uh, I even think you made that joke before, Jeremy. <laughs> is Evangelion uh, just classic literature in this timeline? Uh, no, if it was, we wouldn't. We would have psychologists on the <laughs> megafauna. Uh, but as before, the colonel is the one who tells them where the mobile suit is and lets Ida go. So I assume, like, this is all according to his plan. But I don't think he has a specific way for this to go. Like I said before, yeah, it's just any way it goes, it works out well. Yeah, I think that was added, and it made me laugh. Oh, uh, no, no bell thing stuck. Yeah. This is my favorite gravity being a light menace scene of Naredo. Almost uh, missing the lift yeah. and having to be caught by Bell. Yeah. Who then leaves his hand on her ass just a little bit too long. And like her reaction to that is one of the reasons I don't read her as being like very romantically into Bell at all. I get that. And I see her less that way in the movie. But also I think that's a, I'm mad at you right now because oh, you yeah, keep yeah. staring at Ida more than a, I don't want this. Also, they're still teenagers, right? Yeah. Man, the G-Self's eyes in this look super creepy. (laughs) (laughs) They've got, like, multifaceted lenses, which is different than any other suit. They look kind of like they have pupils. Yeah. Wrecked Snow's got wrecked. We didn't even see it. (laughs) Yeah, we just cut to Clem Nick just immediately wrecking a bunch of guys um, like it ain't no thing. There's a lot less guy wrecking from Clem Nick than in the series, though, because we don't have time for that. (laughs) There's a lot more him mano-y-manoing with Delinson, who is actually a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i do like the sheer calm of the colonel oh the g-self is in the process of being stolen i think that's like because he's fine with it and he doesn't want uh bell's mom to panic and do something this is how you use a javelin oh no my javelin so much for your javelin <laughs> i'm a genius oh no <laughs> i say very little about the escape scene change except for the fact that they cut some of the action shots yeah they still have the whole saving curb scene yep well, they also made it a little bit more clear that uh, he was reading Bellry's lips. Yeah, that, like, the way that Bell shouts, like, it looks like he's trying to enunciate his words a lot more. Just that slight change in the animation. Yep. I get, like, I don't know, everything about the show look, just looks so damn good. Yeah, and the movie makes it look even better. Yeah. It's another thing I've talked about, but I love the way Minovsky particles are used and how much tension they get out of people can't communicate. Yeah, like the fact that uh, Ida has to give... Uh, a hand signal? Yeah. Yeah, like there's a good reason for why they can't just talk. And lots of characters take advantage of that. It also does clear up the questions that we had in uh, one of the other series. Was it uh, Double Out where we couldn't determine whether or not they were actually talking to each other? There's a few times in Seed where I asked that question as well. Uh, and uh, Seed Destiny, I think, also really had that and in a lot of places where it's like, are you actually talking to each other or... At each other. At each other. But here, unless they're touching, they can't hear each other, which is a really easy way to get around that. Yeah. Or they have a landline. <laughs> so what I read from some lines that happen later is because Ida is the general's daughter, 
I assume they are planning a coup? I don't want to say too much on that, I guess is where I am. That's fair. What's this? It feels like diarrhea. I'm sure glad they added that line to explain the poop joke later. <laughs> the guy on wave motion cannon argues that's not a joke. That's to like humanize these very weird characters. I think that might be giving too much credit, but I do like Bellary being like, ah, oh, this is because I touched the cursed technology. This is what I get. Diarrhea in front of three cute girls. <laughs> Who are all staring at him while he's undressing. <laughs> Even Click Nick doesn't have the confidence for that. I do like that Mariah starts dancing to the uh, bathroom music. Presumably she's used to that. Yeah, and then stays dancing for the entire... Like, the music keeps playing for the entire rest of the scene on the way to the (laughs) megafauna. And everyone thinks it's weird that Mariah's into it. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, wouldn't you be? Poop and time, it's poop and time. Everyone likes a poop and time. I do like the long transition we get through what would have been the end of episode three. Of them, like, chilling and taking naps in the airbags. It's very, like, sort of simple and cute stuff that I like. So it leans in a little bit more to it feeling like a Ghibli movie. Yeah. Well, it also does reinforce how boring this would be. And we we get an end to the diarrhea saga with Naredo asking Bellary if his stomach is better. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for listening along to our analysis of the first move G with us. If you're a member of our Discord, uh, you got to vote on how it was that we actually handled these, and the answer was, after all the episodes that they recapped, we will be doing the movies, not the movies. this is the only movie. If you made it this far into this episode, you probably heard that we're doing way more in-depth analysis of Urkin Gisa than I think we have so far. Partially, this is because Jeremy has now watched all of it, so he has more context with which to evaluate it. I really like it. It feels like we're overanalyzing everything like we did those early seed episodes, and I really enjoyed it. And we kind of took that energy going forward with us into the next couple of regular episodes. If that's a change of pace that you notice and like, let us know. And if you don't like, you know, let us know that too, actually. Uh, this is a plug for our Patreon.com slash podcast, where this episode's been up for about a week, and... There's all sorts of bonus content you get access to. Our most recent one is we had Jeremy rate a nearly random selection of approximately 50 Batman villains. Tear Maker is such a program. It's one of the programs of all time. But that was a lot of fun. We actually got some feedback from patrons that it's one of their favorite things that we've put up as a bonus episode. You can also catch... All of Jeremy and Kevin talking about Gundam Wing, which is probably not something that we're ever going to do for the actual podcast, but we might be doing something adjacent for a bonus episode in the future. Keep an eye out for that. Anyway, that's all I got. Uh, If you want to chat with us, join our Discord. Um, We got all sorts of cool nerds talking about cool nerd stuff. Uh, League came up a lot recently because... Oops, people are accidentally getting addicted to that game again still. There's always 40k stuff. I posted potatoes because I'm a happy potato farmer these days. All right, let's get back to the episode and finish off the first move G. I find it funny just like how much Naredo climbs on Bellry. Yeah, they're very physically close to each other, right? Yeah. They do not bug each other with this at all. I think that also, adds to the Ghibli feel too. Go on. Also, that could be a situation where just to make sure that they could actually hear each other over the wind. Yeah, it's just like never an issue. Like neither of them really cares. So, Except for when a hand is on a butt for a little too long. (laughs) 
We still get Klimnik. Oops, my arm's broken. Although, the, I mean, it's easy to infer, but we also get Bellary referring to Klimnik as lieutenant, despite not having been introduced as a lieutenant. I think it's because all, all of this happens a lot faster. Like, Raraya seems a lot more endearing to me in this. I find her endearing in the base series, too, but also I feel like, I, I guess I don't want to say too much, but I feel like she does a lot of cute stuff coming up. Yeah, well, that's right. We have a military now. Now we can declare war on Gonwin and Ameria, and then we can keep prisoners of war instead of just putting them in a tower. <laughs> because everybody knows starting a war on two fronts is the best way to start a war. And we've chosen Delinson to be our first sacri- I mean, mission leader. <laughs> the same, it's the uh, same scene between Lewin and, and Manny as before. It reads a little bit different to me this time. It seems like she's concerned because she asks, is the whole Capital Guard becoming the army? And she's like, does that mean you two specifically? Yeah, it also seems like more forward facing on what the plot development is, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm actually, having watched it, not sure which faction Delinson belongs to. He seems very much in between the two. He really does, because he's like an instructor for the Capitol Guard, but then the Capitol Army all seems to have a lot of respect for him, and he's the first guy the Capitol Army is sending out. I wonder if he, here's where he gets poached, though, if that's the thing we're supposed to fill in. But he was in. He was definitely in charge of the Capital Army guys on in the like training exercise. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, you can transfer, right? You can change your side. You can get a new job, which is why I'm saying I wonder if we're supposed to read here as the moment where he is no longer with the guard and is at a high position in the army. We get a little bit of conversation between uh, Rosita and Bell's mom. Did she mention the AG Tech taboo specifically? I think she might have just said the taboo. Okay. Because she specifically called it a taboo against the advancement of science, and I, I think that's new. I know I had that idea from yeah, yeah. the first read, so it might not be new. You might just have missed it, but... <laughs> <laughs> I do love Naredo catches Bell staring at Ida and, like, bumps him with a coffee mug while he, like, goes into introspection mode. She comes off as very jealous here to me, so... Yeah. And this scene reads to me a lot more like Bellary's opening his eyes and, like, becoming more aware of global politics and, like, considering other things as Ida is attacking him. He looks a lot more concerned while she's talking to him. And it might just be because she's hot and he wants to agree with her, but it is still a reason a lot of people <laughs> start to learn more things. I don't know, but it feels like they did give the, the captain more of an expression of, what the hell, no, we are not doing that, when Ida is like, we need to judge him under pirate law. The megaphone that does not have a plank, so unfortunately we could not even if we wanted to, which, to be clear, we do not. I mean, technically speaking, they could keelhaul him, which is even more horrifying <laughs> when you actually that. know what it is. I do. It's a scene where he's like, she doesn't remember. Yeah, this is new. Okay. So, Bellary has like this, I, I read it as him trying to convince himself of like why she's so angry at him. Yeah. She's one of the, in the situation of, she's blaming him for killing Cahill and forgetting the fact that Bellary saved her from Cahill accidentally killing her. From Ida's point of view, she probably would not have done that, and I think that's actually probably true, given how far out of her way she's gotten not to hurt people, and how she did that in the previous fight, so she has a lot of judgment and scorn for him, mm-hmm. especially since she had her relationship meter maxed out with Cahill. <laughs> She'd almost gotten it to the uh, the S-rank support. <laughs> Klimnik's like, you killed Captain Cahill, right? You can move the G-cell. <laughs> kind of the first, the, the, this is like the first time we see, actually see Klimnik like outside of the combat situation. Yeah, and I, I think this is a rewatch thing, but Bell seems a lot more smug with him too. Yes. 
Of um, the like, oh, it's easy to move the G self. It's just like any other mobile suit. You couldn't do it. I thought you were a genius, Mister Pretty Eyes. <laughs> I get that all the time. Um, I love that they kept that scene. <laughs> Still a fun line. <laughs> I'm sorry, their internal monologue negazone is well, hilarious. Look, they, they didn't have new animation, so they and we got rid of the combat. I don't know what's going on, negazone, and I will trade the flashback negazone for that any day of the week. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And what are you talking about, Zach? Clearly, we flash back to Cahill and Ida's S-rank support scene where he offers her a Band-Aid. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's just their A-rank support, Jeremy. Mm. I also think the fact that this flashback includes the bit where they took it from Mariah really helps the timeline on the G-self. Yep. Which we figured out in the original, but it's just a lot more clear here. I do like that Klimnik's like, well, you can't possibly pilot it. I, acclaimed genius, Klimnik cannot pilot it. The scene of Raya crying Chuchumi. Equipping Chuchumi. <laughs> it's also, it's interesting because she says Chu with the exact same cadence as she was saying G. Yeah, I think um, that's very much on purpose. Yeah. Because she's still sort of out of it, right? But, like, this is something for her to fixate on that's maybe more healthy than a weapon of war. Thor <laughs> is in ordinary clothes. He can't do anything too reckless, like fly with the cockpit open. I think Klim tells him to as, like, a way to watch him. I'm pretty sure in the anime there was a line about it. No, yeah, he, he and it is here too. He yep. says, "Don't close your hatch." But it's a matter of you can't do anything too reckless, like fly with the cockpit open. You know, like how they got here. We get a lot less of Adam Smith in the movie cut. Yeah, I, Hapus seems like so much more an important character anyway that it's weird to me how much Adam Smith we got. Yeah, I 100 percent agreed. Uh, we do, I think, skip the scene of his uh, helmet specifically made to fit his hair, which I'm a little sad about. Yeah, and also on this rewatch, I think it makes a lot more sense to me that Bellary is willing to fight the Capitol Army, because I think there is a feeling of like, well, those aren't my guys. Yeah. Like, he would have no idea Delinson is even in it, right? Yeah. I think he's like genuinely does not think it's a possibility when he's fighting the Elf Ball later that Delinson could possibly be there. Because like, Ida seems to be like, hey, aren't those your guys? And I feel like Bellary here is like, nah, they're not my guys. <laughs> Neither my mom nor me knew anything about the Capitol Army. They're not my guys. And I have to stop them because my two friends are here. Maybe it's the timing, but it feels like uh, uh, everybody in this series and in, in the movie here seems to uh, refer to everybody else by both of their names, Adam except Smith. for Bellary and Naredo and Rariah, because their last name is Monday. I do still really like Bellary being like trying to make it up to Ida. It's very much a rationalization, mm-hmm. like that's not going to work, but it's one I can see a, car- or a person making very easily. And like I said, it helps to justify his motivation. Which even though, like I said, I think in an initial watch, it seems weird. I think it is maybe less because I think there's a feeling of like, they're not my guys anyway. I owe you this debt. Raya and um, Nareda are here. And like, I kind of want to fuck them up anyway. They're, they're ruining my mom's <laughs> stuff. They're vi- they're clearly violating the taboo. Yeah. And we, we can't have that. Well, it kind of feels like Delinson is the only named character who's gotten an actual kill so far. Yeah, well, we cut all of Klimnik's, so. <laughs> oh, uh, Bellary, obviously. Well, Klimnik didn't actually kill anybody in his little raid. He disabled a bunch of people. Yeah, but before Bellary can talk it out with Delinson, again, just like in the anime, Klimnik interrupts. He's like, are you looking for a challenge? I do like uh, Delinson's hooah! Well, <laughs> As he swings a beam saber and cuts off Klimnik's fingers. Three directions at once. 
Oh, my SU cord. God, please create a magical barrier around my Gundam to destroy these non-believers who have violated your taboo, <laughs> says Bellry, and then it happens. But yeah, most of the fight scene is still the same, but oh no, the action reads a little bit more clearer. Yeah, I think they've reanimated a few scenes, but like again, it's just to clear up what was probably on storyboards to begin with that the anime didn't convey very well. Uh, and using the power of the, being the main character, Bellry manages to scare off the Capital Army. And Klimnik's like, that was a pretty good protagonist move. I don't know how you did it, but I must admit it was pretty good. If I had protagonist bullshit, though, I would use it even better than you. <laughs> like, Klimnik's thing here is still the same of uh, knowing when to retreat makes him a superb soldier. It's like, uh, not a superb soldier makes him a decent commander. I think, like, this is a thing that is in large part uh, informed by later knowledge, but I think there was a very long period in history here where there just was no combat at all. So most of these factions are discovering basic military tactics for the first time or rediscovering. So, like, to Clem Nick, who is, like, you know, I think that it's, they say it's been 10 years between the war between Ameria and Gondwin. He's probably like, only experienced commanders would do that. Most people are idiots who keep going. So, like, <laughs> he knew what he was doing, and I, a genius, am not used to seeing that. Is the scene with Ida crying after the battle there new? Uh, that's new. Where she's like, a uh, a boy like him could never replace Captain Cahill. Yeah. Yep. And she's crying. Yeah, that's uh, that's new. Yeah, and I like it from her. She's like, it's like that teenage thing of trying to stay mad at someone. But I also think it is semi-genuine. Well, because she's like, she's impressed by how well Bellary is driving the thing. But still upset about, you know, the whole you killed Cahill thing. Most of the hangar scene is the same. Yeah. I want to know who uh, Yacht Boy is in the background <laughs> there. <laughs> the guy who who's uh, part of this off of his dad's yacht. Yeah, there are some, like, uh, Grimoire pilots later who get names and characters, but I don't think that's one of them. <laughs> it's just weird that they bother to animate him, like, blinking and having a facial expression. I Probably he looked weird just in the background, so they touched it up. And here, Bellary continues to reinforce, yeah, me and my mom didn't really know anything about the Capitol Army. And Clem Nix says, they were formed because of a threat from space. And Bellary's like, that sounds like some sci-fi bullshit. And Ida's like, I kind of agree. He's like, ah, your dad, General Suragon, told me. And Ida's like, my dad, General Suragon. And Bellary's like, your dad, General Suragon. <laughs> and she still has the same thing of, oh, crap, I told him who I was. Is the threat from space sci-fi bullshit? I don't um, want any more details than that. <laughs> it's Gundam bullshit, so if you consider that sci-fi bullshit, then, like... No, I mean, it's not like the uh, Double O movie. No, it's not like else. It's not aliens. He said it was Gundam bullshit, so it can't be aliens. Well, yeah, exactly. It's very turn Gundam-esque, I will say, giving Zack a lot of information and not you a lot of information. I do love Bellary's mom being grumpy and, like angrily boarding a shanks. <laughs> I love that they brought the cheerleaders out to cheer on the Capitol Army. <laughs> they don't call it an elf bullock in their cheer anymore, and I'm sad about that. No, man, he just name drops it. Oh, we we, uh, we lost the scene of uh, Delinson being like, I'm sorry, I'll, I lost all my guys. That's because we didn't only saw one guy die, so... The scene where Manny sees Mask is a bit different, and it makes it a bit less obvious that it's obviously Lewin, I feel like. Yeah, but she's like, huh, that physique. I feel like I have a crush on that boy, but I already have a boy. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, I mean, it also focuses in on him with a walk cycle and yeah. everything. It, to me, it looks like he's trying to put on an act, is why he's doing that, but it might be bad animation. It just, again, 
when it comes to things like the animation in this show, it's so good, I usually assume it's done for a reason, right? I do also, I feel like the uh, line that Manny has that the mood is different from the Capitol Guard is new. Yeah, and as, it's, it, it helps distinguish them as two different things, right? Yeah, so like the Capitol Army is more incompetent but serious, whereas the Capitol Guard was competent but not really serious. Competent goofballs, that's what I like. That's why we love Club Nick so much. <laughs> I wonder if Delinson outranks this other captain that happens to keep cropping Becker? up. Decker? Becker. Becker. He's kind of a prick i'm just curious <laughs> we do get some added stuff about the threat from space and bellary's mom dismissing it it's like no they're just nice guys who bring us photon batteries ah su cordists cut to bellary wondering what the hell the threat from space is we sadly kind of dropped the bit about bellary only wanting to join if he's made a lieutenant but if he's the same rank as clem nick which yeah, is yeah we, because we do lose that we do get the callback to it later yeah and we do get a uh like he still has the line of Klimnik said he would tell him if he joined the Pirate Corps. Do you believe Bellary when he says he knows nothing of Tawasanga? Bellary's hiding right behind a shipping crate. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know some stuff about Tawasanga. It's like the Vatican. I know we're like the Vatican, but it's like the Vat- It's like the space Vatican. And they bring us photon batteries. Klimnik's like, what would you say if I said the G-Self was made there? And Rai would be like, ah, oh, Toa, that sounds cool. Way cooler than Toa Barton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's still funny that Raya is hanging on to Klimnik's braid. It's a line from the original, but Bellry is surprised that the Capital Army has so much fighting strength. And Klimnik's like, yeah, we wanted to ask you about it. I feel like the movie has done a much better job showing us what the hell the Capital Army is, especially from Bellry's perspective. And yeah. reinforcing the fact that Bellry doesn't actually know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, o- other than, like, he knows the proper nouns and that's about it. Be like if we asked Tyler about the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> Or worse, the lions. This is one scene that I like adding a little bit more context. It shows Ida talking to Steer and like shows them just having a conversation. I, I think it more implies that they're good friends and Steer is someone Ida can talk to. Yeah, it, it strikes me more as just Ida needs to talk to someone and needs to vent. Whereas in the anime, I had no idea what that yeah, scene was supposed to be. It was very ambiguous. And I think that, that added a little bit of context to it that I think helps. <laughs> I also think here we get like some setup about the whole space fleet being out there and like some of the things that are going to happen later and what the megafauna is doing, which is nice. Man, this mask guy is kind of a dick. Very Char-like. Char isn't a dick. He tried to give his sister all that Nazi gold. He never betrayed anyone. Never. He always followed his beliefs. Um, (laughs) Yeah, pretty much the entire scene with the core fighter is basically the same, though. I feel like that scene there where uh, Ida is like, the arcane can fly too, and you can see Ryan Naredo in the background. I feel like they were added into that nope, scene. They were there. I just missed them the first They're, time. Yeah, being very cute in the background. Naredo has her own adventures, <laughs> and all of her encounters are Raya, except for when they're uh, Bellary staring at girl. The marvelous misadventures of Naredo Nug. <laughs> Look, I'd watch an episode. <laughs> One episode. So it's implied earlier. That the Arcane and the G-Self are vaguely similar. Is it just because they're both made from the Rose of Hermes blueprints? Yeah, we never get an actual answer in the series. There is some information in the model kits that's, yeah, basically. Okay. They were the, just built, built from the same blueprints, functionally. Yeah, the, the Arcane is the same sort of design, but it was built on Earth and not as well. That was the interpretation I was going for. So. And, like All of the G-Self's backpacks were built for the Arcane, but it didn't work with them because it wasn't built properly. Okay. That's hilarious. So they screwed up enough that they couldn't actually use the tech that they built for it? Yeah. 
But they can use it with the G-Self they got, so it's fine. Oh, poor Klimnik. I have more javelins! <laughs> I can't land a hit, she says immediately after landing a hit. I mean, that's the same thing as it was before. I can't land a hit after shooting one down. I mean, I think they added in that extra... No, they no that line of uh, the core fighter moving around on its own uh, was in there before. Yeah. yeah. How is water able to get into the Elf Bullock's cockpit? I, still... I mean, if the Elf Bullock wasn't designed to go underwater, and remember, or it was space. damaged. It, it was damaged. Oh, that's right. Get javelin. Yeah, I forgot about the javelin. There is one mild continuity thing I want to point out as uh, Belry's flying the core fighter into the back of the G-Self. There's a half a second clip of Hoppa yep. just in there, and it doesn't show him get out of the way. He made his reflex save. It's fine. <laughs> I, I noticed it as well. It's very much a, oh, I'm oh, going yeah. to die. Oh, no, wait. We can't see him. I'm not here anymore. It's fine. <laughs> they didn't uh, include that the line from the uh, anime where Bell Bellry was like, what, uh, it's stuck on autopilot now? Yep. Yeah, I think it's to make him seem more like he's a cool guy doing a thing on purpose instead of a helpless protagonist who's just rolling 20s. I think this also explains how Hoppa, he's not on the outside of the G-Self. He's like on top of the core fighter in the cockpit. So he's like in the chest of the G-Self. But I think they him. actually show him outside of it. Not in the movie, at least. So In the anime, I think it actually showed him outside of it as they were coming down. Yeah, Hoppa would be so dead here as Bellary's deflecting these beams if he didn't have some protection. Go, go, Gadget. Beam saber. <laughs> I do love Mass' reaction to this. Is fucking stretchy beams. No one told me about stretchy beam sabers. I'm just. <laughs> oh, at least my mask recorded the stretching, so we'll be ready for it next time. We gotta make sure you get all the data you can when it uses some completely different BS. The G self is inside. Shut the main gate. Screw the grimoires. Yeah, fuck that guy that's outside still. It looks like you're getting better, Mariah. Chachubi. Well, she's speaking in full sentences now. Jujumi is a full sentence, right? It's a subject, noun, and action. <laughs> Nouns are subjects. I know I taught English. <laughs> chuchumi, chuchumi, chuchumi. I do love Ida just chillaxing here on her air mattress that she's brought onto the bridge. <laughs> as Danielle is like, hey, you have to go praise Bellary for what he did because you're a princess. And it says here, you're your chief praise officer on the megafauna. <laughs> and the you know, we know he's got a crush on you. Yeah, so the dialogue changed a little bit. They also added, like, a scene of her getting out of her flight suit and, like, cramming it into the locker that, that, angrily. That's a minute after this. I really love that scene. Yeah. I think it really helps with show her emotions and where she's at. Yeah, she basically storms off the bridge after being told to go thank him and then, like, kicks the shit out of her spacesuit and slams the locker closed. Uh, but then the... And pulls herself together, and then the next scene we see her, and she's, like, happy and cheerful. Yeah, but then she breaks down immediately after because it's yep. all put on. It's basically the same scene as yeah, as in the anime. As in the anime, where she showed up and was like, "Hey, good job! Now I'm leaving." Yeah, we just get two scenes on either side of it to show this how is, put on it is. Part of this is also uh, this is the first time that Belry sees her in this body socking, and uh, they give him like an an like more facial expression of him being like, "Oh, damn, she really is hot." <laughs> um, <laughs> Belry's reaction to it kind of comes off of trying to act cool, though. Yeah. And then Clem Nick interrupts and be like, hey, why don't you be a second lieutenant? Yeah. Like, this seems a little bit odd because they kept the callback to the conversation earlier. I still like Clem Nick's bit of it, though. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, I guess when I'm a captain, you can be a lieutenant for me. And this gives Ch Ida a chance to get away Bug out. and break down. 
So in this portion is isn't any different. Yeah, but I really like how I think it's, it's extended a little bit. I really like how it's sandwiched. Like you always see are on both sides of it yep. instead of just compliment and then break down. It's probably my favorite addition to the movie. Yeah, just the scene of her angrily stuffing her flight suit into the locker. I yeah. mean, for a lot of reasons, it's a really good animation and everything on that. And that's the last we'll see of the megafauna until the credits. <laughs> We don't really have much more, but like I said, for some reason, they shove the Delinson being like, oh, I shall go save Belle scene in here so that you have an exciting uh, preview of what's coming up next time on the Reconquista and G movies. So it's not quite <laughs> the first six, but rather the first five. It's the, the first, first five and some bonus time. I mean, first five makes sense to me if you're doing five movies and have 26 episodes, but... Mm-hmm. But it's like a little bit of episode six. I just the way uh, the way I thought it was was that it was going to be all of the first six episodes. Yeah, most but of the other ones seem like they cut off at more appropriate places. But yeah, I watched it after because I knew they were in space at the end of the first movie. I'm like, so, okay, so when they get to space, that's when I'll watch the movie. <laughs> and I also they make the scene uh, between I don't even know this guy's name. Oh, uh, I do, but can't remember it. Peach lips. Uh, yeah, um, and Belle's mom is less of an argument than him just barging in with an explanation. To not so much mollify her as shout her down. But yeah, the credits start playing over the megafauna launching into space, which you said you wanted, Tyler, so here it is. I did. I wanted to launch into space. It's much less dramatic than I was expecting. Well, it's got solar sails, so it could just sort of fly up there until it, it can turn them off. Kind of cool, though. The megafauna grows on me. It reminds me weirdly of a, like a sh- Zaft ship body. Yeah, it, it, I would say Xeon, but yeah, same, same difference, right? Uh, and that's the end of the movie. Like I said, it's difficult to tell what is gained from just watching this material a second time versus what they added versus my change in perspective. But I was real hesitant on whether or not we should cover these like this. But people on the Discord seem to want us to. And I think in the end, it was a good idea. What do you guys think? I, I think so. It's... It- it's an interesting comparison because they added a bunch of stuff that gave a little bit of extra context, and I don't really feel like there's that. I mean, we did lose a lot of excellent Clem Nick stuff, but yeah, from an actual storytelling perspective, I don't think we actually lost anything in the abridging. I think the movie was actually a much better way to watch it, um, but again, that might be because I already had a bunch of context going into it. Uh, but I actually fairly enjoyed my watch through of the movie. Sorry, I just had a thought because I'm I'm generally one of those people who if like abridged stuff is not real content. But <laughs> with these movies, the abridged movies of you know here's six episodes, we abridged it into one one hour and a half movie, as opposed to the six episodes doesn't bother me because like the Madoka ones are the same way. Yeah, it depends too because you haven't actually seen the Madoka series, right? Correct. So it depends. Like, there are lots of things. Like, like cup episodes suck, right? But also, if you're going to one of these movies or buying one of these movies, you know what you're getting. In a way that a clip episode, you're hoping for an episode and continued story. Part of what sucks about it is a denial of expectation. A lot of what I uh, saw while, like, researching the movies vaguely is a lot of people recommended watching the first two movies and then watching the series after that. Interesting, because movie three, I've only watched the first three movies so far. Movie three has by far, I think, the best additions. Uh, Interesting. Mo- movie two, I think, is kind of a mess. Like, it really <laughs> suffers from that, yeah, we're just like throwing everything in here and stuff's happening sort of thing that a lot of compilation movies suffer from. We'll see how I feel after watching those episodes for a second time, but... I mean, it has, like, the Delinson fight is way more clear, and it doesn't appear like Delinson just 
launched half of his body off into space. <laughs> uh, you can actually tell what's going on, so that's nice. But I feel like that's just one where a bunch of stuff happens, whereas three ads like might be my favorite scene in the series. So Interesting. Okay, that's interesting. And it's only in the movie. Yes. Huh. Very curious. The only note here I that I have that I didn't touch on is we don't get the bit where Naredo is talking about how Bellry was adopted, which I think is the one little bit of story that we are oh, yeah, that's a missing. Good point. Uh, but that's a very small thing I noticed. And that's, I feel, based on my theory on why vaguely, this is an extremely vague theory at the point more, um, why Bellry and Ada can both pilot the G-Self. What's um, your theory exactly? I think they're related somehow. I think it's a Star Wars situation. Okay. Uh, you think it is a Kira and Kigali situation? Yep. There are a lot of Kigali situations with Ida, I regret to inform you. So, <laughs> uh, Do you have a high point for the movie, Tyler? It's definitely the added scene for Ida before she goes out to confront Bellary right before the end of the movie. Zach? That was going to be mine. So in this overall, besides that, I'm not sure what I would put as a high point on there because a lot of what we saw is already there. If you want me to nab another thing out from under you, mine is the opening scene. I was going to suggest that, actually. The, the battle animation is way better in there. Uh, like I said, a lot of it, I think, is just a second watching, but it's way more clear to me what's going on. That's fair, yeah. I like, weirdly like the, the travel transition scene while I think Bellary's I'm, having diarrhea. That's what I was actually <laughs> just going to say, is I think since you guys took those, not the Bellary actually having diarrhea, but like... <laughs> The, the, the intercool scenes there where, like, they're traveling and it's making clear that they're going a long way. So there's a shot of them, like, napping in the cockpit. We've talked a lot about how the setting of the show is actually one of the best things about the show. And I feel like it adds a lot to the feeling that this is a complete world that they're inhabiting. Do you have a low point, Tyler? Uh, they kept the stupid Bowery running into a wall <laughs> shot. I don't know why that's in here. Zach? Hmm... You know that was Tomino being like, that's my favorite scene, guys. I think it might be probably Hapa still being in that cli- in the climax fight of the core fighter and all that, because I thought that was dumb in the first place. And it's I, still, still dumb. dumb. <laughs> I think mine is going to be all the Klimnik we lose. I get it. It's probably what I would cut to, but it is pretty sad. Yeah, he's still a fairly likable character in this, but he seems a lot more brusque. Yeah, he he's a, he he feels more arrogant. Yeah, because there's less of him being competent, right? Yep. To We're, to back it up. Yeah, like whereas in like the series obviously he's way too cocky and it gets him in trouble, but also 90% of the time he is right to be cocky. Yeah, like it shows that yes, he is this very cocky uh, For every oh no, pilot. he has three I'm a geniuses. Yes. <laughs> whereas here it's like a 1 to 1 ratio. Do we want to do MVPs for the movies? We can if you guys want. I think it'll go way in Bellary and maybe Ida's favor in the end if we do, though, because there's way less chance for like smaller characters to shine. Yeah. I think we should skip them on the movies because, like you said, Ida and Bellary are so much more front and center because I think I think in the six that we had, I think Clem Nick, I think, snagged half of them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, spoilers, my, my vote would be Ida for the movie, but... Yeah, and I think mine would be too, but it's only between Ida and Dottery for me, right? Yep. Delinson, who's pretty good, doesn't have a shot at it. Same with Klemdek, who had all his stuff cut. Uh, and Noredo would be the dark horse in some of the ones in the span of time that was in here for the, for the actual anime, and I don't think that happens either. Bellary gets a lot more like added fa- like nuance to his facial expressions, which I, which I think helps his character a lot. 
Uh, same uh, with Ida, I think. I think there's yeah. a big focus on both of them. Whereas Naredo mostly like is used as a framing thing, which I think does add to her, but not as much. And Manny's just not even a character in this, honestly. No, like she is kind of like a mouthpiece for a couple of things that the anime or the the movie wants to get across, but doesn't have anybody better for it. But she really doesn't feel like she's a straight up character like she does in the uh, in the anime. Is there anything else we want to say about the first movie? Uh, if you can get your hands on it, it seems like a pretty decent way to watch the first five episodes without having to watch the first five episodes. <laughs> I liked it better than the first five episodes. And I, that's I was, my overall take. I was more of meaning like for timing. I mean, it's I, also faster. Because the first, the first five episodes aren't bad, although they are a little bit harsh on the jump cuts. And I, for whatever reason, I completely forgot of this, about the scene when they come back down from space. Yeah, that they added in, which is nice. Super necessary in the movie. Probably should have been in the anime. Super necessary here. Yeah. All right, then. That will do it for this one. Join us next week when we will be watching episode seven of Reconquista NG, back into the main series with The Mask Corps' Fierce Attack. You can listen to it while on a run. 